You are listening to the In Focus Church podcast. We believe God is going to meet you right where you are today as you listen and dig into His Word. So good to worship Jesus with you. Let's talk about pain this morning because it comes in many different forms. No matter how small, no matter how monumental, and we're not comparing my pain to your pain because that doesn't do us any good, but there are difficulties that we go through in life and sorrow, no matter who we are, can creep into our hearts. An abusive boss, a lost friendship, a financial hardship, loneliness, sickness, unfulfilled longings and desires in our hearts, an ongoing conflict in your marriage, maybe an abusive spouse, infertility, terminal illness, adultery, miscarriages, a failed adoption, the death of a loved one, a wayward child, Pain and sorrow are an unwelcome but normal part of life here on earth. And the longer you live, the more pain you'll experience. But how we process that, how we deal with that, and I'm talking about pain and sorrow and tragedy in this life, suffering, if you will, how we deal with that has become a source of a lot of questions and even unbiblical responses within the church. Maybe you're wondering what these chairs are up here for. I'm looking for two volunteers to come up and sit in these chairs throughout the duration of my message to see how you respond. No, I'm just kidding. That's not what I'm doing. Uh, These chairs up here, I want us to consider this chair over here is occupied by God. And we can do that by faith, right? It's, we don't see him, but we, we, let's just presume that God is occupying this chair. And according to God's word and psalm, right, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. There are pleasures evermore. There is complete rest. There is peace. There is perfect love that casts out all fear. And there is every fulfillment of every promise. This is who God is in his presence. And let's consider on this side, in this chair, is you or me. And in this moment of our life is pain or sorrow or trouble or difficulty. And so what I want to talk about is the distance in between this chair where God sits and this chair where you and I sit, the distance that we can make up, the gap between your pain and God's promises, the gap between your heart brokenness and God's hope. How do we close the gap? That's what we want to talk about starting this morning and throughout the series that we're going to be in for the next few weeks. It's entitled Lament. Lament. Language of the exiles. 
you didn't know it, you yourself, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, are in fact an exile. This is not our home. This is not our final destination. The Bible says that we're sojourners, that we're exiles, that we're aliens, we're pilgrims, we're passing through. So what is the language of the exiles? Part of the language of the exiles is lament. And that's what we want to talk about. So welcome to those of you who are watching online, those of you who are here in this room this morning that have gathered with us together. We're grateful that you're here. We're grateful that you've taken the time to be a part of what God's doing here at In Focus Church. We're grateful for those of you who are, who are guests for the first time and then also for those of you who are here and this is your home. But here's what I want to say. If you missed last week, before I go any further, if you missed last week, which was Vision Sunday, and this is your home or you believe it is going to be your spiritual family and home, I implore you, I beg you, I beseech you to watch all of that message from beginning to end on our YouTube channel, which you should already subscribe to anyway, or if you don't have time to watch it, that you would listen to it. If you're a podcaster, you should be subscribed to our podcast. You can listen to the entirety message from beginning to end, because I can't state much clearer, maybe somebody else can, but I can't state much clearer who we are and where we're headed in 2021 to fulfill God's mission and purpose for us as a church. So I encourage you to watch that. Question as we move on today. It's a hard one. Who taught you to cry? Now don't think too hard, it's a rhetorical question, so don't hurt yourself. Who taught you to cry? The answer to that question is no one taught you to cry. You entered into this world crying. But it does strike me as interesting, think about this, what if as a baby we entered into this world smiling and laughing? <laughs> Like as a parent, you'd freak out in that moment, right? Like what is going on? Because our norm, what happens is we enter into this world screaming and crying with tears. Life begins with struggles and tears. It's really, as we are birthed, a wholehearted protest to coming into this broken world in essence. To cry is human. But what I want to talk about is lament. And lament is different because biblical lament is altogether Christian. To cry is human. To lament is Christian. Why? Because we affirm that the world is broken, that this is the seat that I'm in, but that God is good, God is sovereign, and God has been and always will be faithful. But that's where we find ourselves in the middle of the pain and the promise, and that's a lament. Lament stands in the gap between pain and promise. So I believe it's important. As a musician, I uh, am familiar with different types of chords. If you didn't know that, I grew up in a musical family and sang and learned how to play the piano. And, and my mom tried to teach me piano for a period of time. She still teaches piano to this day. And uh, she's taught a lot of people how to play piano and they do it well. Um, I'm one that was not a really good student for my mom. And I don't know if those of you who have tried to teach your children how to do certain things, whether it's school or some kind of instrument, but I would take advantage of the fact that my teacher was my mother. And, uh, and, and what's she going to do? You know, I'm not paying her. And, uh, you know, so she can't not have, eventually she said, I'm not, she did. She said, you're not, I'm not teaching you anymore. 
And so I had to go find another teacher. But uh, in that, it started kind of a love, if you will, for music and, and, and worship and something that I pursued the rest of my life. I was a music major in college. I was a vocal performance major. I was a vocal performance major in grad school. And that's what I did a lot of my early degrees in. But in that, I learned a lot about music, some things that I've forgotten, some things I don't even care about. But one of the major things is the chordal structure that we have in songs. Whether you know it or not, you hear it. And it's the difference between a major chord and a minor chord. So I'm going to walk back here because of the first service I sang it and, and people told me they didn't like it. So not my singing voice, but just said, go play it. So this would be a major chord, right? So that could be nice. Now, this would be a minor chord. Sounds sad, doesn't it? Because you really want it to be. All right, that's enough of that. Major chord, minor chord, please don't applause. I could play so much better than that. They don't let me lead worship around here anymore. So I have to work in whatever I can. I'll go back there and play the piano right now. Nobody can stop me. I can start singing right now again. Major chord, minor chord. I sort of did. Shut up. That's my son. I could tell him to shut up. Now, the other kid's like, ooh, that's a bad word. So, okay, I am wasting a whole lot of time. But let me just say this, the minor chord, which sounds a lot more sad, is actually a song that should and can be sung by the church. As a matter of fact, there's 150 psalms in the Bible that would actually be a book of songs. They were written and put to music and they were sung by the congregation. They were sung by the people of God. And one third of those 150 songs are songs in a minor key. They're laments. And so if one third of 150 of the psalms are laments or minor key songs, then I believe it's necessary to the believer to have a path from heartache to hope by singing that song and praying that prayer. The space between these two chairs, if you will, is the space between brokenness and God's mercy, and it's where this song is sung, a minor key song. With my thanks to author and pastor Mark Vergop and his book, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, he mentions there to be seeming to be a pattern biblically of most biblical laments. And I want to talk about those and unpack those. I'm gonna, it's actually like a four-step process, if you will. I want to talk about the first two this morning and talk about the next two next week. So part one and part two. But the first half of the pattern today is what we're going to cover. Next week, the second half of the pattern is where this ultimately leads, like the means to an end. The end is what? The presence of God. The end is praise to God. The end is an affirmation that I trust in God. But I'm starting over here in the middle of my pain and my sorrow and my difficulty, and that's what we're going to talk about today. The lament is what closes the gap from my pain to trust affirming that I want to trust and praise God all the more so with a third of the Psalms being in a minor key why do we have so very little laments in our worship lexicons today why do we 
sing so very little songs that have that minor key feel where it is sad or sorrowful. It's kind of like the first verse I was thinking of, even some hymns. It's like, how many hymns are that way? Not many. Or turn your eyes upon Jesus is one of them, but it's, it's kind of like it starts there, oh soul, are you weary and troubled, right? It, that's dark, but then it's turn your eyes upon Jesus. But there are times that maybe you're there today or you're watching online, right, and you really don't feel like singing You Are Able or, or some of the other fast songs. You don't feel like coming in and praising God today. Now, if you do that when you praise God, but, but you don't have to, right? You don't, that, I don't, that was weird. You don't have to do that. But you don't really feel celebratory. And there are times like, and although we understand that our, our worship isn't based on our feelings, it's based on the object of our worship, which is God alone. And so our feelings need to line up with truth. And that's what we're going to talk about. But lament is one of those ways that gets us there, not just declaring celebration and praise. Now, don't get me wrong. There are, it is right and it is important to celebrate and praise with great affirmation and assurance of God's greatness. I love it. You'll find me doing it. You'll see me doing it. And I'm going to continue to do it till I physically cannot do it anymore or Jesus calls me home whichever comes first but the reality is there are times when the biblical lament is what is needed and there's the tension that we find in the church many times when it comes to this particular biblical song like, oh man we're about victory we're about praise we're about celebration we're about faith and it could be that this is a reflection of our unbalanced affinity to comfort prosperity and triumphalism in the church that's why we don't want to sing any laments because I'm the head not the tail brother I'm going to prosper I'm victorious I'm all of these things and while there is truth to the fact that we are victorious in Jesus it's also not a lack of faith to lament and that's the other indictment many times well that's not full of faith to talk about how you're feeling and complain to God and to cry and all that come on you need to have more faith let me just tell you lament isn't a display of a lack of faith but a demonstration of a maturing faith my friend if you have your Bible, let's look at one of the two Psalms we're going to cover today of the one-third of the Psalms that are laments, and it's Psalm 77. I'm going to start in verse 1, read a couple of verses, and then unpack that and continue to work through this for a little bit. Verse 1 says, I cry aloud to God. Aloud to God. There's a repetitiveness there. I'm, I'm crying aloud. It's like, he says it again in case you didn't think this was helpful. No, go ahead. Aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I will seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. Let's go back to this chair over here. Now, this is going to seem obvious how we start this process of closing the gap through lament but the first step is that we come to a place where we're willing to sit down and cry out to God 
The first place is the obvious place of saying, you know what? I'm going to start praying. I'm going to start praying to God. I'm going to start singing to God and say, well, that's obvious. And it was obvious to me for a long time, but I wouldn't do it. There are some reasons and I'll explain why. But many times in my life, there's God and he's waiting and here's his invitation to sit with him and to cry out to him and to lament and go through why I'm frustrated and why I'm hurting or why I'm sad. And for some reason, I avoided that chair. I didn't want to go pray about it because it was too hard we don't like to sit in that chair it takes faith to pray in pain it's an act of faith to open up our hearts to God and be brutally honest with him about what we're going through what we're feeling what we're dealing with what we're frustrated about and here's what I mean by me not doing this well for so long me not taking the obvious thing, we're like, well, that's obvious, we should pray. It's so obvious that we still don't do it. Yeah. Oh, well, I'll get around to that. But I never would get around to that, and here's why. I was sitting in the office a couple of years ago with my counselor and, and speaking to him about what was going on in my life, and it was a, a very difficult time of my life. I was clinically depressed. I was struggling with that because that seemed so out of bounds for my life and, and what I believed and how I felt as far as who God is, and, and I'm a pastor, and, and, and my life and my family I love and all these things, and it just didn't reconcile to me. It's like, and I'm hearing words like burnout and depression and sabbatical, and I'm like, what is this? And I'm again explain how I handled some of the trauma in my own life and the difficulties in my own life. And here's what he said to me. You did what you thought was right with your emotions, but what you thought was right was actually wrong. Now, that's not a riddle, because it wasn't wrong in a sinful way. What I was doing was wrong in a detrimental way. I actually thought I was doing the biblical thing by avoiding talking to God about what I was feeling. By, by not, I'm not going to bother God with this. I'm not going to bring my complaint to God. I'm not going to keep talking. i got to have more faith. i got to praise harder. i got to be more victorious. I'm not going down there. And all of a sudden, I kept denying what I was feeling, but it was destroying me physically and emotionally. So it wasn't wrong in a sinful way, but it was wrong in a detrimental, evil way. Why do I say evil? Because I thought what I was doing was right, and it was actually wrong. That's evil. That's where the enemy likes to take us in this life. Is there anything more maddening, right, than having the ability to have this conversation and then not having it? It's like I'm going to give God the silent treatment because I'm frustrated with him. You're not coming through, Lord. Can I ask another question? Is there anything in relationships more maddening than the silent treatment? You know, all you spouses ought to know and, and anybody that's got a, like, just say something. Don't give me the silent treatment. You know, th at that point, you, you'll say anything just to get a response. And yet, many times, particularly for those of us, even if we grew up around the church or because of what we've been taught or because somebody said this isn't the way to approach God, we think God doesn't care, we think God doesn't hear, or that nothing is ever going to change, and maybe we've been going on through this for a very, very long time, it's been a part of our life for a long time, so we think sitting down to pray to God is pointless. It's just pointless, so I'll just work on it and I'll get over it. Problem is, you never do. We never get over it, particularly without the help 
of God. So let's keep reading in verse two through four. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. Selah. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I mean, this is bad. This is in the Bible. This is the psalmist. This is a worship song. Put to music, it says. This is a reminder also that this song, this prayer, this minor key prayer isn't always a brief or quickly answered prayer by God. Like when you sit down, as many of us have throughout our lives as we're Christians, and we actually begin to to cry out to God, here's a reminder. This isn't like a 30-second jingle on the radio station. It's not a commercial. Just because we sit down and begin to pray, and we all know this, it doesn't mean God's going to go, okay, answer, done. And this is a reminder as we read this passage of Scripture in the Psalms that the psalmist is saying, hey, uh, this is going on. And, and my eyes, I can't even keep my eyes open. I'm groaning every time I meditate. My spirit faints. I can't even speak. I'm so troubled. Really what he's saying is I just sat down in the chair, but I'm not going to move. It's sometimes what I do at home, again, because I'm a musician, and I've told you, those of you who've been around, you'll, I've told you this before, that I'll go to the, the piano, and I'll just sit down at the piano bench and, and just begin to play and, and sing. And I don't have any agenda, and I don't even know what to sing, and I'm not sure what song to sing, but I'm just, I, I'm, I'm just saying, God, I'm here. And I'm, not, and I'm not moving. I'm not leaving. It's kind of like the song we just sang, God, you're able, and, and, and I'm, not, I'm not moving. I'm not leaving until, until you're here with us. And the problem for us in the church, and I could feel it in the first service, I feel it in this service, I feel it in my own heart, is we don't like to sit in this chair. We don't like to talk about pain and sorrow. It doesn't seem Christian. And yet Jesus was known as a man of sorrows. So often we don't sit down. And if we do, we get up pretty quickly when it's more than we can bear. But here's what I want you to do. Just like I said a moment ago, when I sit down at the piano bench and I just begin to say, God, I'm here. This is what I'm inviting you to do as you begin to pray. Say, God, I'm here. This is difficult. I don't like this. This makes me sad. I'm afraid. Whatever the case may be, this has been going on for years. It's been going on for weeks and it feels like years. Whatever it is, you just begin to sit down and you begin to pray. You begin to cry out to God. And here's what you need to remember, that one day, it's gonna change. One day, maybe not right now. One day, maybe not tomorrow. One day, maybe not a whole lot of tomorrows. One day, maybe not even in my lifetime, but I do know this, that God's word is true. His promises are true. And as I begin to pray to him and seek him and worship him, I am assured as I cry out to him and pray my struggles and ask my questions that one day he's gonna make it all right. One day. We're just afraid to pray with a one day mentality. We want a today, right now, like yesterday, Lord. Watch verse seven and nine as the questions now start coming. Because what, we're praying. Here's what we got. The first step is we're gonna, we're gonna pray. We're gonna cry out to God. We're gonna pray our struggles. We're gonna pray our questions. It's okay to bring your questions to God. Here's the questions. 
Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Selah. This is like opening up your heartfelt journal to God and letting God see the questions that you're embarrassed that you would have ever asked. And you didn't want anybody else to know that you'd ask these questions. You didn't even want God to know that you were thinking these thoughts. It's like opening up those questions that somebody thinks, well, that's irreverent or that's not right. And you're saying, God, because he knows anyway, you're opening up that journal and you're asking him questions that you were taught or told that you couldn't ask him. And you're praying honestly, because why? Praying honestly in your pain is a prayer of faith, not a lack of faith. Pain and suffering create these difficult emotions, right? That as we're sitting there, we're praying, these difficult emotions are not based on truth, but they feel like truth. That's why I'm taking these to the Lord. What do I mean? You can look at this. It's like the psalmist doesn't really believe that God's forgotten to be gracious, but it feels like God's forgotten to be gracious. The psalmist doesn't really believe that his God, his anger has shut up his compassion or that he'll, he'll never do these things again and that he's never again gonna be favorable, but it feels like right now he's never gonna be favorable. Have you been there before where you sat down and you said, God, are you even there? You know he's there but it feels like he's not. God, do you even care about what I'm going through right now? Do you no longer care about people? You know God cares about people, but it feels like he doesn't care about you. This is the lament. This is opening up our hearts to God and crying out with faith and allowing the pain and the suffering to create those difficult emotions that are not based upon truth, but nonetheless feel true for God to begin to change in us. Listen, anybody can cry. It's human to cry, but it takes faith to cry out to God in the pain and to lament in a way that brings us closer to his presence. See, if you keep going in this psalm, you'll see a recurring theme that we talked about last week. It's one of remembrance, that we have to remember in this life, remember correctly what God has done in the past so it can help us today. And in verse 10 through 12, this psalmist starts seeing praying, if you will, about God's deeds in the past because praying helps us to reorient our perspective and to see God differently and to see our, our situation correctly through God's eyes. Then he said, Verse 10, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. That's what he said. I'm going to think about what God did. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Now, he might not have been doing it that loudly. It could have been very softly. It could have been quiet. It could have been through tears. It does not matter. It's just the fact that at some point in time, he, and just like you and I, have to remember who God is. The remembering is the basis of the psalmist's faith. And what does he say? He says, I remember the Most High. What is that? All the, that's what Abraham's name, right? That's all the way back to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I remember the Most High, Abraham's God. That's who you are. Then he says, I remember the Lord. That's Yahweh, Adonai. He's saying, I remember the mighty Lord, that you are mighty. I remember your works. I remember your acts. I remember your miracles, God. 
Just like you can remember the great things that God's done in your life. You can remember the great things God's done in his word. And what this does is it helps us right now. He is remembering the faithfulness of God in the past to help him persevere in the present. We said this last week. We remember the faithfulness of God in the past to help us persevere in the present. I remember God. Doesn't feel like it right now, but I remember that's who you are. This is the beginning of where the prayer begins to shift into lament. It's beginning to, let's think of it this way, as I began to sit down, why? Because I finally decided that it was worth crying out to God and not trying to do it on my own. And I sat down and I began to pray and I knew it wasn't just gonna be one of those one minute prayers and be done, but I keep coming back and I keep sitting down and I keep crying out. And then I get to that place where I begin to remember God rightly and I remember all of his good works and I remember what he's done and it begins to close the gap between me and my pain and God's promise and his presence. So let's dig a little deeper. Because lament is the song that weeping people sing while they're walking through the valley. Lament is the song that reminds our hearts what we know to be true, even if we don't feel like it's true. And that's important, right? Because God gave your emotions. They're not bad, but they do need to come into alignment with what God says about you and this world through his word. So as I sit down and I begin to lament, God begins to take my emotions and they begin to be submitted to his presence and to his word, to truth. Although I feel this way, I know this to be true. That's the way that we lament. We cry out to God. We bring, secondly, we bring our complaint. This won't be on the screen, but if you say the two steps that I'm talking about today is we, first of all, sit down, take the chair, cry out to God, and then once we begin to cry out to God through prayer and struggles and our questions, we bring our complaint. And let me just say this. Y'all all know how to complain. If there's anywhere where I have learned that people know how to complain, it's not at the restaurant, which they do. But boy, we in the church, let's just use some baseball analogies. We're not single A complainers, double A, triple A. We are professional complainers in the church. We know how to complain about anything and everything. So I also want to say, take your complaint to God. No, I'm just kidding. That's not, that's not what this message is about. But the reality is, so that we don't get mighty and, and pious here, we know what it means to complain. So this is saying to bring your complaint to God, to cry out to God and to bring your complaint. And here's where we get a little bit tense and the tension begins to kick in because complaining doesn't seem godly. That doesn't seem right. Complain to God? I'm just gonna complain to my pastor. And probably why most people avoid it because it doesn't seem right. I'm not going to complain. I got to have more faith. I, I just need to have more victory. I just need to declare this a little bit more. And while all of that may be true, there is room for complaint and God's saying, do it. The Bible's full of complaints. The Psalms, right? One third of them, complaints. There's a lot of complaining in there in these laments. And, and it must be because these Psalms were put to music in a minor key. Uh-oh, there goes a picture. And they were sung by a congregation of people, by a church, if you will, together, complaining through a song. That if that happens in the word of God and that happens in the people of God, then it's not a sin. It must be okay. So we can do it. 
It just seems weird. That's why there's not, like I said, there's not a lot of minor key complaining, worshiping lament songs. So here's their truth. The Bible is full of them, so it allows us the opportunity to pray this way and to sing this way. And I want you to understand this. What I'm not saying, I'm not talking about unbridled anger and complaining for complaining's sake. That's not what I'm talking about. We could be good at that too, but that's not biblical lament. Understand we're not talking about that. What I am talking about is biblical complaining about the suffering and the pain that we go through in this life where we are sad. It's okay to be sad about suffering and pain where we're afraid, where we're frustrated. God, I'm frustrated about this or we're confused. God, I don't understand why this is happening. But because this is such a hard concept for us to understand, we usually do what we think is right, like I said a moment ago, but it is in fact wrong when it comes to suffering. We either get angry or we just deny it. I was good at denial. No, I'm, I'm fine, I'm fine. It'll just go away. Here's the problem with both of these. If I'm gonna get angry, I'm gonna take myself off into a desert of bitterness and resentment and hatred, and there is nothing there. So I have to sit down and take that complaint and that pain to God. And the second thing is, is I can't deny it. I can't, I can't walk around going, oh, I'm great, brother. I feel great. I'm awesome. No, God's in control. God's in control. I feel great. When knowing deep down inside, I'm frustrated. I'm sad. I want to complain. God offers you the chair. He's okay with that. Matter of fact, here's what we need to understand. He's the one that can handle your complaint the best. The problem is, we complain to everybody but him. And that just makes things worse for them and you. So I'm talking about biblical complaining where neither anger or denial is the answer, but lament is the way that offers us the ability to complain with hope. And what do I mean? Is without anchoring this on the fact that God is good, that he is sovereign, and that he is more than able to fulfill every promise that he has made according to his word, there is no lament. Without anchoring it to the truth that God is good, then there's no reason to lament. Without anchoring it to the truth that God is faithful and that one day he's coming through, no matter when that day is, there's no reason to lament. But we know this to be true. That's why we can lament that God is able, that he is faithful, that he is going to come through one day. So we can complain to him with hope. I love this quote from author Stacy Gladys Smith, and it says this, a lament honestly and specifically names a situation or circumstance that is painful, wrong, or unjust. In other words, a circumstance that does not align with God's character and therefore does not make sense within God's kingdom. It's okay to utter that, to speak that. I'll say it this way, lament is the language of exiles who believe in God's sovereignty and goodness but live in a world of pain and tragedy. That's us. I believe in the goodness and the greatness of God, but I live in a world of the now and the not yet. That's where I'm caught. And so the lament is the language of exiles that allows us to affirm the sovereignty and the goodness of God and draw close to him. Now let's look back at Psalm 10 to see some ways to start complaining as if we need help, but here's some help. Why, O oh Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? 
It's like you sitting on the couch. I'll, I'll use my family for an example. Like everybody's finally gone to bed and then it's just me and Carla and we're gonna say, let's just watch a movie tonight. We'll sit down on the couch. She's already sitting down and then I sit down on the other side of the couch and she looks over at me and she goes, why are you sitting so far away? Oh, that's so sweet. So I just scoot on over a little closer. Maybe you've experienced that before. Maybe one day you will. But it's as if the psalmist is sitting down in this psalm, right? And he says, why, O oh Lord, do you stand so far away? Right, he's sitting down. And, and yes, we made a little bit of progress and we started to remember. But the psalmist here in Psalm 10 is probably back there still at this point. It's like, God, I'm here, but why do you feel so far away? You ever felt that way? Ever felt like God just wasn't near? And then he goes on to say, he's like, why are you hiding yourself from me? And there's a lot of emotion in that word, hiding. It's like he's avoiding or, or he's pretending to be someone that he's not, which really feels wrong to tell God that I know you're God, but you're not acting very godly right now. I don't feel like you're, you're with me, Lord. You're the great I am, and I feel like you're not helping me. It's one thing to be in pain. It is an entirely another pain to feel like God won't fix it. So we complain. Lament gives voice to the hard questions of why it looks like pain and suffering are winning and there isn't any justice or consequence for evil in the world. I know we've all been there. I know we've all felt this way. I know we've all had questions, whether it's personal, as I mentioned a moment ago, in that litany of pains that we walk through, or whether it's corporate as we look around our world where it looks like pain and suffering are winning and there isn't any justice or consequences for evil. Why are you hiding, God? That's what that question is. Our complaints, again, are usually filled with a lot of questions. You can search the Psalms and you'll see these questions over and over and over again in the Psalms and in the Bible and they include a lot of why, God, or how long, O Lord? You ever read that? How long, O Lord, are you gonna let this go on? Why, God, is this happening? Why, O God, have you forsaken me? That's a Psalm that Jesus then repeated on the cross. Why, how long? Now let me just ask those of you who are maybe, you don't have to be a parent, but you understand as a parent with little children, how many of you like to hear the incessant question, why? We're gonna do this, why? Because of the why? Well, how long? Why, how long, why, how long, why, how long? Until the point you just, I don't want you as my child anymore. Like, just be quiet, right? And, and, and now, here's the thing. This is what we feel with all of those whys and all those how longs. Now, you wonder why God is called patient and kind and long-suffering. Because he's got all of our whys and all of our harlongs. And he still loves us. And he offers us the place to ask them, sit down. I just want you to know that you're allowed to bring those questions to God. As I said a moment ago, moment ago, that's actually the best place for you to bring these questions. It's the only place, really, to bring those questions and to be able to receive the presence and the power of God that you need. 
Even if you struggle is with God himself, God can handle it. He's the only one that can close the gap between your pain right now and his promise in the end or in the future. He's the only one that can apply his healing grace to your broken heart in such a way that he begins to mend and heal your emotions. Your questions can be the very thing that God uses to draw you closer to him. So ask. Lament, pray, sing. It's not just the questions, though. If you read on in Psalm 10, and I won't take any time to read it, you can if you'd like later on, you're going to see the importance of telling God how frustrated you are. It's okay to tell God how frustrated you are. The more honest you are with him, the more able you will, you will be to be healed from what you're frustrated about. You could go through this whole thing and basically he's just saying, look, this guy looks like he's winning and nothing's ever gonna happen to him. Look where I'm at, look where he's at. It looks like he's blessed while I'm being destroyed over here, God. He, 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 he mocks me, he mocks you, he thinks it'll never end. That's what he says at the end. His mouth is filled with cursing and deceit and oppression under his tongue or mischief and iniquity. Why is this happening, God? He's saying, where's the justice in this, God? Why does this oppressor keep getting away with everything and it even looks like they're blessed and I'm not? But the voicing of these frustrations is actually a pathway to a greater intimacy with God. Be specific about what you're frustrated about and let that push you towards God because it won't push you away from God because God never pushes us away. The more honest you are with God, the better as he knows already what you're dealing with. I remember times in my life the recent past few years where I would wake up in the morning and I wouldn't want to get out of the bed. My marriage, great. Family, great. I love Jesus. I don't want to get out of the bed, though. And then I'd tell myself, no, you've got to. It's Sunday. You're the pastor. <laughs> that was a joke. Um, and I go in the shower, and like discouragement would just assault me. And I'd be asking those questions of like, how long, God? How long am I going to feel like this in the morning? How long is that going to be that, that pit, God, that I feel like? I don't want to eat, and how long is that going to be there? I know this isn't true, but it feels like it. I know you love me, but it feels like you're being mean. And the more that I began to voice my frustrations, the more I caused them to lose a grip on my heart. The more I brought out the things that were darkening my heart, it began to bring them into the light, to the place where God can heal them. Because when you voice your complaint and your frustrations, God's able to take them and heal them. There are also times, if we're honest, that as you actually say them out of your mouth or write them down in your journal, they sound ridiculous. And we've all been there like, I can't believe I thought that. And God allows you to see it as you voice it, how off that is and it's okay 
because you begin to see things you didn't see before as God draws you closer to himself and into his presence. Again, I want to reiterate, this isn't a time to tell God off and get mad with him and then walk away. No, it's a time, as I said, something to do that we don't like to do, and it's time to stay there, to sit in the, sit in the tension, sit in the pain a little bit, I don't like this. I want to run away from this. This is what I've done my whole life. I've run from this. No, you're going to run into God this time. And you allow God to begin to heal you in a way that only he can. And I want you to know this. As you sit down in that chair, you cry out to God. You bring your complaints. You begin to close the gap between your pain and his promise through honestly voicing your complaints and frustrations. And know this, as I said at the beginning, a lament is a means to the end, and we're going to talk about this more even next week. It opens up your heart to what God is doing, and that is to help you trust him more. Pain and frustration may tempt you to be disillusioned with God, to walk away from God, to never sit back down in that chair again with God because he didn't come through the way you hoped and prayed. But lament gives you the vehicle to draw near to God and to not walk away from God, but to wait with him. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. How do we seek him? By crying out to God and voicing our complaint. And when you begin to do that, he begins to reward Rewards you as you seek him, as you draw near to him by faith. Why? Because the lament is lifted up by faith. He begins to draw near to you as you draw near to him. The psalmist is tethering, and that's what he's doing. He's saying, God, I trust you. I want to trust you right now, so I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to complain. And then if you go back to Psalm 77 for a moment, and I'll end this. At the end of that psalm, the psalmist remembers the defining moment in Jewish history as God demonstrated his faithfulness and love through the Exodus, the parting of the Red Sea. So at the end of Psalm 77, he goes, your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters, though your footprint were not seen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. What is he doing? He's tethering, he's anchoring his prayer of lament and his complaint and his hurting heart to the greatest redemptive event in Israel's history. God, you are the God that brought us out of Egypt and through the waters. And you know what we tether our prayer and our complaint and our frustrations to today? to the greatest redemptive event in human history, the cross. God, I don't feel like you're for me right now, but I'm gonna remind myself by remembering what you did on the cross that the Bible says while we were still sinners, God demonstrated his love for us by dying for us on a cross. So I know God, no matter what I feel right now, I know no matter the pain or the hurt or the sorrow, I know because of what Jesus did on the cross, you are for me. And if you are for me, nothing can be against me. I know this to be true. So I'm tethering this complaint and I'm tethering this to your word and I'm drawing closer as I think about the cross and I keep drawing closer till one day, one day, I'm not worshiping from afar. One day, I'm not worshiping through lament. One day, as Revelation 21.4 says, one day where he wipes away every tear, where he says death shall be no more. One day when there's not any more mourning. One day when there's no more crying. One day when there's no more pain. One day when the former things have passed away and now I am fully in the presence of my Savior, not far away, but worshiping at his feet.
That's where lament will take us even now to close the gap between worshiping far away and worshiping at the feet of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you'll realize that as you sit there, the longer you sit there, even though you feel far away when you start, it's kind of like a kid that you tell them to go to sleep on a long trip. And they wake up like, we're already there. Just go to sleep. We'll get there faster. You don't get there any faster, but it feels that way. Why? Because you were sleeping. You didn't get any closer because God's never left you. But as you begin to pray, it feels that way. And you look up and where you started and where you are now is at his feet. Worshiping the one who has healed your heart and has made a way for us to bring every complaint, every doubt, every fear and to heal our hearts. That's what the lament is for. Let's pray, church. You have been listening to the In Focus Church podcast. We hope God met you right where you're at today. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a rating wherever you're listening from and visit infocuschurch.org for more on all that's going on in the life of our church.